Hey, Shannon. It's the beginning of the year. How do you get to your re get to know your readers? Can you share some of your basic assessments? This is the Reading Teachers Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hi, I'm Mary Sagafi. I'm a reading tutor. I have taught in all elementary grades. I have Orton-Gillingham training and have been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. I love talking all things teaching, and I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things. I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. Hello, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces and students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. Hey Mary, how you doing? I'm good. Doing well. It's the beginning of the year. Happy school year. Thank you. It's the middle of that craziness time. Just in time to get to know your students. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I know over the years that both of us have used a mixture of different basic assessments to kind of get to know your students. Um, and uh, in our on the webpage, we could link to some of those specific tests that we've used. But in today's episode, let's focus on what is the key um, pieces that you want to look for when you're trying to find what is what is happening in your student's brain. What is what is the root of the problem? Why is it not connecting? Exactly. So some of our episodes, we're going to talk and use more teacher-specific language and some of the buzzwords, but today it's going to be very casual, where we're just going to be talking about exactly what we look for um, to know what to teach our students. So we're going to be trying to find the weaknesses in our struggling readers and then so that we can begin an instructional plan for them. Right, and that's really what the beginning of the school year is all about. And we know that no one wants to waste time, so hopefully we can help you find some of those um, just key, quick assessments that will help you indicate, you know, I've got a struggling reader, but what is it that this reader is actually struggling with? So my first go-to is oral reading fluency. Um, I, when I was classroom teacher and when I was teaching in my special education classroom, um, I loved the Dibbles. I liked using Dibbles. One, it's available online, and that was um, a good resource for me to use. We did invest in the um, booklets, and so the booklets are great to use. An oral reading fluency passage is a passage that you will time your students to use for about a minute and see how many words per minute they're reading accurately. And um, if there are any consistent words that they're missing or small words, whether it's sight words, what are the types of words that they're missing, and also um, what does their fluency sound like and what does it look like on paper. If it's really choppy reading and they're missing lots of words on the passage, then it's probably at a frustrational level and you would want to move to an easier passage to figure out what types of words your student could actually read. And once they're reading with fluency, that means that they are able to read the passage 
um, without missing too many words and actually making that picture movie in their brain and really understanding what they're reading when they're reading it. Yes. So I'm going to date myself, and I don't think you knew this, but when we adopted Dibbles in the early 2000s, we had Palm Pilots. Really? Our district bought us, and we gave it holding a little Palm Pilot. It was such an old technology tool at this point when we're saying this in 2018. I didn't even get to do that kind of style. I was still even You were paper pencil? 2011, I was still paper pencil because I'm kind of old school that way, but... I found that the students really liked it, and they also really enjoyed seeing what, how much progress. Yeah, and- they could graph their progress. And I had a good number. I did dibbles mostly in third grade, and I knew I was looking for about 100 words a minute. That was just sort of my go-to number that would right. kind of give me a range of, okay, are they kind of close? Are they a, a you know a fluent reader or not? And then the ones that really, really haltingly you know, could barely get through the first one or two lines in that minute we would go down to maybe a second grade passage or a first grade passage or lower and then if they were still in frustration then we would test other things you can also find oral reading passages for free on easycbm.com easycbm is another one that i also used um when i would work with more of the general ed population Um, so i definitely recommend that when i am working with kids with dyslexia when i'm tutoring um I also find that it's really important for me to still monitor their fluency. And when I'm working with a kid, um, I am working on one specific phonics pattern, but I still want to see how they're reading. So I will put that specific phonics pattern in the passage that I'm reading and then still see how their fluency continues. Because you can measure the application and the automaticity with that sound you're working on. And that's really what it is. is Are they actually reading the the passage with fluency as I had described before. So that's another quick assessment um, that you can also do on a fairly regular basis and that's great for tracking data. And I called it the cat in the hat test in a previous episode but really every single teacher just about has cat in the hat on their shelf. Parents have cat in the hat in their in their library at home. That's a great um book to use to just open up to a random page because cat in the hat is made up of mostly short vowel words with some blends and digraphs and the basic sight words and so you can start to see are they at that you know beginning first grade level where they've got some sound knowledge or not and this um this was information that's told was told to me when i was teaching kindergarten so very early on in my teaching career but I believe that the cat in the hat uses the first 100 Dolch sight words that is um no it's it's the Sam I am oh in and the um green eggs and ham. green eggs and ham they think they challenged him to make a book with only sight words yeah I think that that's accurate that that sounds about right Uh, which is a good segue into um another really good quick assessment which is checking on your kids sight words can they can they read their sight words with fluency and automaticity because we know that sight words are um, a building block and they make up a grand majority of english words so um, being able to quickly decode um, those words and have that automaticity is really essential in in having reading skills and parents if you're listening i know that when you meet the teachers at open house and back to school nights 
almost the first words out of most teachers' mouths are work on the sight words for homework. And sometimes they call them high-frequency words. You will hear fry list or dolch list. But all that means is some of the words that are the most common in English writing that the students are going to encounter. Some of them follow the sound rules. Some of them don't. Um, But the students are going to encounter them so much that they really need to learn them by sight and not always just decoding them. Right. Um, we're definitely going to elaborate more on sight words on, on another podcast. So Yes, we're doing research. We're learning there was a Mr. Dolch and a Mr. Fry. Yeah, there's, there's lots of specific information that's involved in both. Um, I think that either one, I've used the Dolch list, I've used the Fry word list. Um, I also use high-frequency words. and In Orton-Gillingham, we call them red words. So they're still all words that people will encounter. Um, and they all fall under the sight word umbrella. But I think the key is um, making sure that you practice those with a lot of um, frequency. And um, it's another great way for kids to track their data. Uh, when yes. I taught um, kindergarten, with the sight words, we used to put 10 on a ring, and we'd see how quickly the kids could get through the first 100, and, and that was always a good activity, too. I usually test if the students can spell them as well. Right. I like to see, um, especially the irregular words, how they're trying to spell them. And speaking of irregular words, this year I tried something new. I just tested my students on reading the irregular words. Really? I didn't even bother to see if they could read. Not and get. This is in my second grade class. I just wanted I just wanted a quick assessment to see. I'm just trying something out. I like to use my students sometimes as a laboratory. <laughs> and so I'm just seeing if based on what level of the Dolch words they are at mastery at or not. And I'm looking for 80% mastery um, based on just their regular words, if that will actually give me an accurate reading level or not. Just testing their regular words and not the whole list. Ooh, that's really... So that to be continued. Really yeah, that's really interesting. Um, with my kids who are in the more moderate to severe range of dyslexia, Getting them to spell those irregular words is really challenging, and that is actually a goal that I have for one of my fifth graders right now is to work on his spelling list is irregular high-frequency words. Um, he's working on that in his regular education classroom, and he still has to use all these sight word um, activities to ensure that he's learning those. But like we said, we'll elaborate on this um, another day. So. Okay, I'm going to jump to our next um, big field, and the the next field is phonics. Um, phonics is a huge umbrella term, and we're going to go from pre-reading and emergent level skills through um, phonemic awareness, which is really talking about can a child manipulate the sounds at the word level. And what I look for with that is Blending, can they put the sounds together? And segmenting, can they take the sounds apart, both orally and visually when looking at words? Right. Um, the next piece, too, is also um, the the real phonics piece of it, and that is um, can they count the sounds? Can they, can they manipulate sounds within words? So um, I'm going to name some kind of teacher jargony things right now. If you are a teacher and you are looking to 
really hone in on what your students may be struggling with, these quick assessment activities might um, might be exactly what you're looking for. So the first thing that I test is really letter knowledge. Can the child identify the letter? Um, can they state the name of the letter? Um, next, can they write the letter? Which is a little bit different than this reading assessment, but I also find that it's a pretty good quick assessment um, for what children are able to do. So do you say write the letter S, write the letter T? Yes. With the name. Okay. With the name. Um, this particular test that I have, it's a basic phonics test, and that's what the instructions say. Um, in previous uh, working with other students, I've actually done it where I say the letter sound and they write the letter, and that's more like data collection okay. that I was working on. Um, but that's a good distinction. Um, the next is, can they read rhyming words? So you give them a list of maybe four or five words um, and see if they pick up and can read the rhyme rather quickly. Um, and word families are great for that. Um, I do some with pictures, too. So I'll show them pictures of words that rhyme. So I'll show them log and dog. And I'll make sure they understand what the meaning of the word rhyme means, that it has the same middle and end. And then I'll show them a picture of, dog and log and I'll say do these rhyme yes or no and then I'll show them two words that don't rhyme like log and run or maybe even log and lamb so they have the first same first sound but not the same middle and end and I'll see do these pictures rhyme yes or no and seeing if they can see the examples and the non-examples I think that's great sometimes too you can um well, I guess this is going to fall under onset rhyme. I might be working, jumping a little bit ahead. Another great way is to figure out if you have, um, if your children can segment compound words. So, if your word is baseball, um, do they understand that base and ball are the two separate words? Um, and then, when I was just speaking about onset and rhyme, is really, you know, can you segment the words? I have the sound b and autal. Can they put those words together to make the word bottle? Yes, I try to make it a game with students, especially if I've done those oral reading fluency and those other tests, and I really see I have a non-reader sitting in front of me. Yes. Then I want to go to the basic, easiest skills um, and help them find where they are comfortable and then what they need. So I'll say, I'm holding a picture in my hand. Can you guess what picture it is? And at first, I'll just say first sound and the rest of the words of the rhyme. So f ish and then I might do all three sounds f ish or sometimes I'll do larger syllable words like I'll say come pew tur and again I'm not showing them any letters or anything I'm just showing them a picture just or hiding the picture and seeing if they can do it out loud I think all of those are really essential skills because that will hone in on what pieces students are missing and in my background if students are missing those really essential building block pieces, um, that is a foundational skill that's extremely important to teach. And just because they're in second grade doesn't mean that they're going to develop that skill automatically. Right. So if they can't blend while looking at a picture or listening to the sounds in a picture, then they're not going to be able to blend when they're looking at the letters D-O-G and saying D-O-G, dog. They have to do that blending orally first. So that kind of brings us back to um, what the next skill would be, and those are the CVC phonics blending. And CVC is consonant, vowel, consonant, um, always a short vowel sound, and that's the beginning phonics blend. So k, at, 
together makes cat. Um, also, we want to assess whether or not students can count the sounds in words. Um, if you say that the word is wish, um, wish has three sounds. It has four letters. So, wuh, i, sh, sh is a, I call it an H brother informally, but it's a digraph. It's a consonant digraph. A digraph is when two letters together make um, a new sound. Um, so, there's consonant digraphs. There's also vowel digraphs. Um, and then uh, the next thing that you would want them to do is see if they can read real words and if they can also read nonsense words. And for me, the nonsense words are an excellent assessment um, to see if they can actually do those same blending sounds that we were just talking about. So especially for first, second, third grade readers, um, if nonsense words are really difficult for them, then that kind of tells you that's a then you need to back up and you need to... Yeah, because they might have memorized a lot of words or they might have memorized the word families and things like that or the shape of words and the rhyming words. But if they can't read a nonsense words, then they, they actually don't have the decoding and the blending skills. I want to go back real quick to what you said about the counting sounds. Yes. When you said wish, or if I say the word wish, can you tell me what sounds are in the word wish? Um, and get them to tell you the wish. And that is huge for spelling. And that, that took me years to realize the connection between that. But when you, I've tried to analyze my own brain when I spell words. And that really is what our brain does when we spell words. We take apart the sounds, we put them in order, and then we choose a letter to represent each sound. And so you as listeners could try it. So if I say a nonsense word like div, you need to be thinking duh, i, v. Okay, I'm going to choose a D because that says the duh sound. And then I'm going to choose i because that sounds like igloo, so that's the letter I. And then I'm going to choose v, the V. And then when you write it and you look at it again, duh, i, v, and then you're blending it again. And so that's how the blending and segmenting just, they keep layering on each other. And fluent readers do those at the same time. Fluent writers do those at the same time. But students who struggle with reading, there's a breakdown somewhere, and they have to be explicitly taught those in isolation and then showing them how to do it in real reading for them to finally break through the barriers that are keeping them from becoming readers. I'm going to give um, a more complicated nonsense word, um, and let's do, um, let's do thription. The word is thription. Thription. That sounds like a word that like Rodal would have in the BFG or something. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> I, lo I love nonsense made up words. So when you think of the word thription, you should think of the, the beginning blend, T-H-R. Thription, the short vowel is I. Then there's a P-T-I-O-N, thription. So how many sounds are in the word thription? So that's a five sound word. So shun is counted as one instead of shun. It is actually because the T-I-O-N is its own phoneme. Okay. Um, and so when, at least this is how I teach it to my students, the T-I-O-N is important because if you're sounding out shun like two different sounds, then you're going to think S-H-U-N. N, or yes. S-H, it's actually three sounds, S-H-U-N. So if you know that the shun 
um, is automatically this phoneme T-I-O-N, then you'll be able to spell that word. But that's an advanced, um, that shows advanced knowledge of phonemes. Yes, and that's a way you can do nonsense words, even with more advanced readers, to see if they are decoders or not. It was interesting. I was at a parent event for my own children's school the other night, and the principal was explaining what they use some of the money that they raise from parents on. And she was talking about sex and phonics. Mm. And she said to the parents, I know you see some of these worksheets coming home with your kindergartner or first grader, and they look so easy. And you're wondering why we're spending money on this and why the students are doing it. She said, but when they get to fourth and fifth grade, and they have to all of a sudden do the multisyllable words, and they have to become more advanced spellers, you're going to be so appreciative of the foundation we're setting. That's really interesting. Yes. That's great. Um, I have not taught sex in myself. Me neither. I've only is, seen it third hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I often see the only, um, and I could I can be skeptical about this because I have not taught it, but I often see... Okay, I often see that teachers um, have students who have behaviors where they're trying to avoid work, and so they don't think that they need to do that. Yes. It's, it's an interesting thing. We all know those avoiding behaviors. Um, okay, so uh, the last piece um, that's critical in, in making sure that your students are learning those decoding skills is making sure that they can read real words the nonsense words, and then also reading sentences to check their fluency. Yes, and you can even find sight word phrases that will show the sight words in context, which is sometimes a different way to um, assess their sight word reading. Yep. Uh, And then Shannon and I are excited to share our favorite way of checking students' fluency, not, excuse me, not their fluency, but really their spelling ability. And that is with the Words Their Way primary spelling inventory. And it's only like 20 words you can even do less if they're at the frustration level and it's a magic list i like to use it first off because you can usually find it free online and i have the book as well um but it's quick so you can give the spelling test to the whole class at the same time yep and then i do spend time analyzing the scores and things but i usually give it usually a month into school Sometimes when I've already made my reading groups based on map data or the double scores or whatever we might be doing as a school, but inevitably, 100% of the time, after I make my reading groups and then I look at the Words Their Way inventory, they match up exactly the same. The way that they have set up that spelling test, it it really does show you the level that the student is at if they're at emergent level if they're at the within word stage or if they're at the more advanced stage, it's pretty remarkable how connected spelling and reading are. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a big um, key identifier um, to the developmental stages of reading. So these are our foundational um, recommendations to for teachers to get to know their readers. And we're not trying to overwhelm you and say you have to test for all of these things. We know that you give universal screeners at your school and you're busy giving those tests. And that is absolutely what you should do. But if there's a student who you know can't read Cat in the Hat, or that you really, maybe they're a very good test taker, but for some reason they're falling through the cracks and you know they, they fool you with their test score, but you know they can't read. Or someone who is low and you're not quite sure why we're giving you some things to search for to go ahead and start trying to test so look for their sight words look for their phonemic awareness look at their blending and segmenting ability 
give the words their way spelling test really quickly and see how they're doing on it. You don't have to spend a ton of time. We're not saying that you have to spend 20 minutes with each kid one-on-one listening to them read. Mary was showing me some examples of tests that she did give early in her career where, what did you say? You didn't see your kids for the first six weeks? Yeah, the first six weeks I spent assisting other regular ed teachers giving um, we use the AB Sedarian. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, which is an excellent test, and it really hones in on so many of the skills that we had just talked about. But um, we also need to be realistic about the quality teaching time that we're spending with our students. And um, if you are able to hone in on what are those skills that your student needs to work on, then absolutely go ahead and and do that and search some kids are going to fall into the typical reader category and will be just fine with regular instruction. What we're talking about is those kids that are your not yet readers that you really want to make progress with this year. Thank you so much for listening tonight. We hope that this gave you some helpful takeaway tools and we look forward to getting to know you and your readers throughout the year. Good night. Take care.